This is a podcast by the Business Times. Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by the Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips. I'm your host, Chris Lim. In this episode, we're talking about protecting your digital financial assets. And our guest this episode is Michael Shalov, CEO and co-founder of Fireblocks, which is a blockchain-based fintech that specializes in issuing, storing, and moving digital financial assets. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks for having me on the show, Chris. So when it comes to financial investments these days, it's hard to avoid moving digital financial assets around at some point, which is both great because you've got speed, lower cost, and bad because of some new vulnerabilities that you have to pay attention to. What's the number one biggest benefit of digital financial assets? And what's the number one biggest shortcoming of digital financial assets? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think that with the recent uptick in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, it becomes more and more mainstream. So generally speaking, I think that the main use cases for uh, cryptocurrencies and digital assets is definitely around payment use cases and investing in liquid assets that provides benefit through the ability to move those assets quickly and with a much lower cost, right? So I can do a remittance right now from the United States to you know Singapore or any other country in Asia. I can send any amount, I can send a million dollars and that will cost me probably like $5 that I will pay as fees. And that transaction will sell almost instantaneously, right? It will take us about 30 seconds to basically see that transaction coming on the other side and landing in your wallet. So that's as itself so powerful compared to the traditional rails that we used to, you know, if I had to do it through Swift, I would pay a much larger amount for just for the wire and it will take us about three days. That's clearly sort of like the advantage of the new world. Now, essentially, because this technology is so new, most customers, whether they're retail or institutions, are sort of puzzled and they don't always understand the concept of how the security of this asset works. Because generally speaking, the security of that is very different from the closed financial ecosystem that we, we used to from the old world. And at the end of the day, for example, one of the biggest risks that all of us have when we're dealing with digital assets is first and foremost, how to protect our wallet and how to protect the private key that governs the wallet. And the second thing that we all need to protect is essentially around when we move the asset or when we send the payment or we send the, the remittance, we need to make sure that we are sending it to the right address. So a lot of the issues that we're seeing of people losing money in this new world is because they didn't properly understood how to send the asset to the other side, how to validate that I'm sending it to the right person. And then either they're being hacked and they're sending it to the hands of the hackers, or they can actually basically burn the asset and then it's gone. Okay, so upsides, I mean, you mentioned uh, speed and low cost. So, I mean, that's of course good, right? When we're moving financial assets around, especially cryptocurrencies. The downside, it sounds like, I mean, there are two sides to the downside. Some of them sound like they're user problems, like check who you're sending it to, right? Make sure you're sending it to the right person, your assets. And if you're expecting a transfer, make sure you got the right transfer. So the kind of basic issues, even back in the old days, make sure you're sending it to the right bank accounts, the kind of basic stuff, right? Even before we get to tech-related vulnerabilities like hacking, brute forcing, your wallet being hacked, basic stuff, right? Figure out what you're supposed to be sending and receiving and make sure you're sending it to the right person and make sure that you told the person your address so that you make sure that the person is able to send you what you're expecting, right? Kind of basic stuff. 
Yeah, so it's very basic. And I think that this is actually where it deviates from the old world, right? In the old world, those basic stuff are sort of recoverable, right? Because if you gave me your bank account number and I accidentally made a mistake and uh, I put like zero instead of one, then either the transaction will bounce or it will get stuck somewhere in the middle and we will be able to recover those funds. The nature of cryptocurrencies and blockchain, that actually this kind of mistake is catastrophic to the wire. Why? Because the blockchain is open, right? So it's not a closed system. And it doesn't know if an address that is 1234 is a legit address and 1235 is an address that doesn't exist, right? So if I'm accidentally mistyped your address or the worst case is actually that someone spoofed the communication between us, right? So you were supposed to send me your transaction over email and a hacker took over your computer and sent an email on your behalf changing the address and I've sent it to your address without authenticating you. I'm basically sending the transaction to the hackers and I cannot call Citibank and tell them, hey, by the way, I made a mistake, please record this transaction because unfortunately they don't have three days to record the transaction, right? The transaction is already settled. If you like Money Hacks so far, please subscribe to Money Hacks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and like us and give us a rating. And now back to our conversation with Michael Shalov, CEO and co-founder of Fireblocks. And we're talking about how to protect your digital financial assets, especially crypto wallets. Now, before the break, Michael, we're talking about some of the things that users and retail investors need to be aware of when using things like wallets to transfer assets around. If we could break it up. So what are the top three steps to take, even before you get to the tech-related considerations, what are the top three steps that someone needs to take when approaching a crypto or digital financial wallet transaction, whether it's checking addresses or checking amounts? You know, what are the three steps to take? Yeah, so the first step, um, because every transaction starts with your wallet, is to actually make sure that you have a secure wallet, right? Use a secure wallet that is not compromisable because essentially when you're making a transaction, you usually become online. And for example, if you're using, I would say the first thing that comes to mind that if you're using a software-based wallet and your computer is hacked, then the hackers will simply take over your wallet. That's the first issue. And we've seen a lot of hacks happening this way. The second issue is that you need to make sure that you're sending the assets to the right counterparty and you need to validate it. How do you validate it? If you are basically a retailer or consumer, right now there are no well-established technology to do it without really defaulting to a protocol, right? between you and the person that's supposed to receive it. So the first thing that you need to do is to basically get the address through one channel, for example, email or, or a WhatsApp message, or for example, scanning a QR code, right? Whatever way you establish it, don't send the full amount immediately. First of all, send a test transaction. So if you're planning to send one Bitcoin, send 0.001 Bitcoin initially, and then validate through another channel with that individual or with that venue. So let's assume you're, you're transferring it to Coinbase, uh, log into your Coinbase account and see that that transaction is actually there or do a video chat with that individual and make sure that they actually receive the test transaction. Once you've validated that, send the rest, send the 0.99999 that you need to send. 
because this is essentially the only way currently that you can make sure that you're sending it to the right address and that your counterparty or the recipient can consume it. If you are an institution, this is actually where Fireblocks comes in. For institutions, we established a network that actually secures that type of communication. But for retail and for consumers, you really need to basically do those uh, two-step verification. Interesting. So, I mean, first of all, make sure you're using a, a secure wallet. But the second step sounds like, you know, if you're a retail investor, you just need to get the workflow right. Make sure you have an agreement with whoever you're dealing with. And again, commonsensical, don't make the entire transaction at one go. Make a tiny portion so you can validate that that portion went over correctly before you do the full amount. Don't just jump into it. It may be more trouble. It may take more time, but it's worth taking this extra step. Interesting. But what about technological steps or hardware or software-based steps? I guess we don't have to go into hot and cold storage, but what are the three tech steps that people need to take? Yeah, I would say that for retail, those days, they basically need to make sure, again, it it sort of starts with the wallet. So one of the key advice that I should actually give is if you're planning to use large amounts, right? And large amount is even like, you know, one Bitcoin, which right now is like around somewhere between 30 to $40,000. Exactly. One Bitcoin is worth a lot of money now. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of people actually have that at this point. And if you're keeping it on some form of software device, whether it's uh, mostly I've seen people keeping it in the web, what we call web browser wallets, it's not a good idea because then if your computer is compromised, you really have a, a recourse and the hackers will steal your private key. There are two technologies that comes to mind that uh, people should consider as a much more secure wallet. The first technology comes on the for it's more a traditional way of doing it. It's basically hardware wallets that can be purchased. They're pretty cumbersome to use uh, because they're, generally speaking, disconnected from the computer. The newer technology is based on what we call a multi-party computation or MPC technology. For retail, there are great companies that provide it. For example, Zengo, they have a retail wallet that is based on this technology. For institutions, companies like Fireblocks provide this kind of wallet. And what that does, uh, it actually splits the private key between multiple parties. So even if your machine or if your uh, smartphone is infected, the hackers cannot obtain and cannot get the entire private key from a single device and therefore compromise your entire wallet. Thanks for being on the show, Michael, and thanks for all of these tips. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me here. We've been speaking about how to protect your digital financial assets with my guest, Michael Shaulov, CEO and co-founder of Fireblocks. And that's a wrap for this episode of Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times. That was an SBH podcast by The Business Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3. Any financial or investment information in this podcast is for use in Singapore only and is intended to be for your general information. Any particular investment or decision should only be made after consulting with a fully qualified financial advisor.